For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince Lococo. 5-0 and football. That's what we do around here. I love how you are looking at me like you have no idea what I'm talking about when I say 5-0. and Louisville football is 5-0. and Heading into week six of the college football season, the first time since 2013, which was a great year, if I do say so myself. Welcome into From the Pink Seats podcast, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavick, Vince LaCoco. We've got a lot to dive into tonight as Louisville is coming off of a massive victory over NC State, ranked for the first time in some time. I don't have the official year on that. We'll get our, our researchers to tell me when that was. Uh, 2020 point in the show there you go 2020 last time hey vince was on staff then man hey you're welcome hey yeah welcome. i see a common denominator here (laughs) that's right right. but it's uh, not scott satterfield (laughs) byu man that's all i can say i've watched a little bit of that game this is the one and only time i stayed up to watch the entirety of a byu football game i i watched that part to finish it was was i paid for I paid for it the next morning. I don't know how you felt, Matt. I was like, fuck that. I'm never doing that again. I felt awful. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they got the Scott Satterfield special uh, against BYU. That's for sure. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about a 5-0 and football team coming off of a victory, heading into the arguably one of the biggest games in recent memory, the biggest game on the front half of the schedule. We'll see what happens in the back half. Miami looks pretty damn good. And I hate to say it, man, but Kentucky also looks pretty good. We'll see what that looks like post-Florida as they head into Georgia this weekend. But for the cards, we've got a lot to dive into the game. We've got a new edition of Vince's Game Notes. Uh, We're going to talk about the action that we saw, some of the struggles, particularly at the quarterback position. Talk about the great defense and the effort we saw out there and ultimately what won the game. Three-phase football. We love that around here. Three-phase football. That's what we do, right? Complimentary football. Bingo. We love it. We need all three phases to be good at what we do around here. And that's what happened this weekend. And so we're going to dive into all of that. We thank you guys again for tuning into the show, supporting us each week. If you're not subscribed already, be sure that you do that rate and review from the Pink Seats podcast anywhere that you get your podcast from. Follow us on Twitter, on X, whatever you want to call it these days, at Pink Seats Pod, at the State of Blue, and at UofL Reporters, where you can find the, the work of Matt McGavick. Yes, Vince. Welcome in. Do people actually call it X? No. Like, I've only ever just no. No. It's the most expensive waste of rebrand time ever. I I mean, typically the whole point of a rebrand 
is so that people will stop calling your business what it was before. If you're changing your name, like you do marketing and advertising, right. we got a new name. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. They, it is literally still twitter.com. Okay. Let's not, let's not, it is Twitter and will be until it will come back as Twitter. Like eventually he's going to sell this. He's going to get mm-hmm. bored once the election ends. We'll be right back into this being owned by the people that want Twitter to be great. And it won't be X anymore, and it won't be a waste of time and space. Yeah, it'll be and X, we'll X, stop. X. Yeah, we don't know. Hey, now, <laughs> I, don't search that in your browser. We definitely do not encourage that. We don't know what to call it still. I mean, Twitter, X, we we never know. But follow us there, though, regardless of what you call it. Follow us. Yes. All three great follows. Um, let's let's dive into this a little bit. Of course, State of Louisville Podcast Network. I, I didn't plug that. Make sure you check out all the great shows on the network. We're getting into the the peak of sports season where Matt's going to look old and tired and the podcast network is going to have like 18 new shows a week. So definitely uh, stay t- stay tuned to all of those. And again, we thank you guys so much for listening, supporting the show. Five and I look old and we tired right now. <laughs> you do. We all do. We all do. Except for Vince, man. Vince, you're looking good. I don't know if it's the beard and hat combo. Uh, I don't right know now. if it's the Reggie Bonifon shirt. Like, it looks good, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, as we get into it, we'll get into why I'm wearing the black one, not the white one, later on in the episode. <laughs> so that's right. That's right. Well, I figure my mom probably knows jumping why over I'm to black this on rather than white. Yeah, we're ju- I, most people at this point are jumping over having heard from Reggie Bonifon, and that was a, an absolutely great episode. I love talking to Reggie. It's been far too long, and it's great that he's going to be in the building for the game on Saturday. They really need that. But let's let's just dump, jump right into NC State. General overview of this game. Um, it, it was not Louisville's best game by any means, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, I think that's where a lot of the conversation starts and ends in this game. And it's a completely different game um, without some of the struggles. And, and I feel vindicated in a way that NC State was – don't get me wrong, right? Louisville didn't blow them out. This was not a game in which you can really – beat your chest and say you were the dominant opponent by any means. But I told you all that I didn't think NC state was that good. And outside of Peyton uh, Wilson for, uh, for NC state's defense, who is just electric. He is so much fun to watch. He's really good. They're not that good. Like they're just not their quarterback has since been benched. If you're a six year quarterback getting benched, you should have left college several years ago. Like this whole extra year thing doesn't always work out for everybody. Brennan Armstrong is a great example of that. And this game, Louisville and NC State both went back and forth with shooting themselves in the foot. But Louisville really had so many opportunities to put this game out of re- out of reach, and they just never could. But when you look at the numbers, it is what it is. A W is a W. They walk away 13-10 to 10, thanks to a big, big field goal by Brock Travelstead. How about a school record for Brock Travelstead? I mean, that's impressive to kick a school, school record. record. Yeah, that was man. A school record, yeah. Yards. 53-yarder. Yeah, I mean, you don't, you know, you don't have too many Justin Tucker, Jake Elliott's in college football kicking 55, 60 yard field goals. You know what I mean? Like that just doesn't happen. Was he the, is he still the punt guy as well? Did he get the punt penalty? Yeah, he's still the punt guy. Yeah. That's fuck. That's pretty sick. That's a hell of a day for if you're a special teams guy right there. I mean, yeah, yeah. he's, he's Travis Hunter on special teams. So like, <laughs> let's, let's put some respect on Brock travel leg. Like that's just the no, way it goes, man. Legatron. See, I don't know, man. I think we need to talk about the nickname. Too, too many people have Legatron. the nickname Legatron. Yeah, Legatron is a very common. No. It's like the. It's like the 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 That's variations the of column. Mamba, Multiple white Mamba, through. Black Mamba, Vanilla Mamba, Ginger Mamba. You, we we've seen so many of these Mamba nicknames. You've never. Google it like it's real. And that's what we're doing with Legatron. So Brock needs a creative name. No, uh, Brock, you cannot come up with your own nickname. No, no. yeah, Brock. <laughs> Brock. No. no. <laughs> 
a really solid victory and how they are able to bounce back being 10 been down 10 nothing at halftime and we'll talk about specifics and all of this again new vince's game notes coming up um and we're going to talk through some of the logistics through the sack king update as well but i felt like two things were on display here one was tackling specifically in the run game that that's for sure we're going to get into it in a second the second is the leadership of this football team. Like I know that those videos are meant from a social media standpoint, like the card tape, the post-game reactions. Those are meant to be marketing and uh, fan engagement tools, but you get a glimpse from time to time. You know, obviously there's a lot of red tape. They're not just putting anything out there, but you get to see some of the moments. And for me, I respect Stephen Heron so much more after this weekend. Jack Plummer as well. I know he didn't play well, but the leadership qualities are there for this team. A lot of fun stuff. Let's go ahead. Let's jump into events. Rolling into Vince's game notes. What do we got? NC State 13-10, and 5-0 football. Let's do it. I thought it was perfect from start to finish. Nothing to talk mm-hmm. about. No notes. Nope. Nothing. Great mm-hmm. game. No. They want 66 to nothing in yeah, technicality. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, perfect. Jacob, like you started, like you like you said, it starts with Jack. Well, the main thing I noticed with Jack, uh, a lot with those pressures and the sacks, and uh, it starts pre-snap. He has his cadence and this tendency, right? Watch him. It's his arm. Every time his arm goes down, his head goes down too. When his head goes down, guys start moving and guys start creeping on the back end. And either the offensive line or the quarterback isn't seeing that and getting a check-in in enough time. So they're getting the opportunity to time it up perfectly. And that's just like a cadence or a tell, you know. And Jack kind of corrected it a little bit towards, you know, third, fourth quarter, later on in third, fourth quarter of the game. But – it's still there. It's something – it's like the leg kick with the quarterback, you know. You see the quarterback throw the leg up. A lot of times the head's going down right after it. It's, you know, a signal to the center saying, I'm ready for the football. So where does the quarterback's eyes have to be? Ready for the football. So, I, I mean, it's it's one thing that, you know, really want him to correct. Uh, in particular, Jack seems to be a little bit more comfortable, like, throwing not on the run, like a designed run. You know, get him outside, move the pocket. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. If we can like move a, like pocket. a like a design rollout or a naked, yeah, blade. yeah. There was there was I think two of them where, I mean, he either took off with a run and he hit a guy hit hit his receiver. But those are stuff that seems to get him. I don't know if it's like a you know throw your fastball kind of pitch or what, just to get him in rhythm. But that's stuff that you know he seems comfortable with, uh, and I think would get him going a lot more. Uh, he had. Three balls that, you know, really bothered me outside of those interceptions. And, I mean, those interceptions, guys, they, they were bad. But uh, the one, the first one where he, you know, was trying to get in the honey hole is just not, you know, you got to see the corner's depth on that. He, that was a hell of a play by the corner. I mean, to bait him into throwing that in a way, uh, it's just you see it. You see it open for a split second, but it's that split second that that corner wants you to think it's open. And it's not there. So uh, that's something that I wish he would have looked off of. The one in the, the goal line, guys, I don't mean, that Ooh. was inexcusable football. Like, just eat it. J- just eat it at that point. And, and he do- he's been notorious for doing that the past however many games, like trying to throw something. He did it this past game twice, I think. And it's cost us mm-hmm. a penalty two times now. So... It's horrible decision making. As a fifth year senior, fourth year senior, you can't be doing that. You can't, especially with the game second half. You're coming down from you know trying to bounce back and be in a good spot to win the football game. It's inexcusable. And the penalties of these flicks when he's going down for sacks, like 
Just eat it. I, I mean, it's just infuriating. It's infuriating. It makes. I mean, you're no going to lose sense. yards regardless. Why do you, Why do you have to lose more yards? Yeah, and I'm sure Brian and Jeff are in that quarterback. Where I'm sure you heard it on the sideline, but I mean, I guarantee you, it's at least trying to get corrected. Not to, not to get on him, but he had three balls like I was getting to that he missed the wheel to Jaws. That could have been a, that could have been six yep. off the post wheel. Uh, the, he had a dig route to Chris Bell. Yep. That he missed that was one that, you know, could have got us first down and kept kept stuff going. And he had the out route to Thrash that he also missed, who you never know what's happening if you get the ball to Jamari Thrash on the edge. Uh he had one to the the one to Mo Turner as well that he missed. You know, those are just those are balls you gotta complete. Those are ones that you we really need. But I, what I do like about Jack is I love how he responds to adversity. Uh I know, you know. He might be making these poor decisions sometimes, but you know, right now I can live with it because we're winning. But I, I think if we get in a bind and say, I mean, it showed last game too. Like, really, when we were tied, he makes a poor decision on the goal line. You know, he's not going to sit there and pout, throw his helmet, get in a shitty attitude or anything. He took his ass ripping, got right back on the saddle, came back out there to play more football. And I mean, he's a good quarterback. He just needs to make better decisions. It, it's there. We all can see it. You know, whenever he sees blitzes on time, whenever he is getting his receivers the ball on time, whenever he has confidence in his throws, he, that throw to Mo Turner looked like a shot put throw. Like he was not confident in throwing that ball. I mean, it's it's just little things. I'm confident with Jack Plummer at quarterback. I personally don't know if we win that game with last year's quarterback taking the home just because, I mean, and I get he adds a different dynamic with running the ball, but I'd also like to see Jack kind of, Utilize his legs every once in a while. He did it with the read option that he had uh, with Jaws. He he took off for a decent little run. And I'm not saying, like, take off every time. I thought the quarterback draw play was one of the worst plays you could check into of all time with Jack Plummer. Do you all remember that one from the game yep. of last week? That that was another one, one thing that bothered me with Jeff was the couple times that we did, like, a check with me play. It, it seemed like the play we were checking into was just not it. Like you, no offense to Jack, we do not need to be checking into a draw play for him to go run the ball. And we checked into another run. No, we checked into a pass play. But the pass play only had three people going out on the route. Everybody else is in pass pro. That's yeah, like, the the first the first four games of the season, that's something that we've kind of lauded Jeff Brom for is his, his play calling, whether it be like a super creative trick play or something, or just like out the flow of the game. And this is the first game of the year where I think most people who are watching can say what the fuck was that half the time when, when it came to the play calling exactly. some of it just didn't make sense exactly exactly I mean and, and like I said I think you know if he can get his confidence under him this game early on and you know I don't know if it's his confidence that gives him the thought that he can make more happen with less whenever stuff is going wrong you know, sometimes stuff just goes wrong on the football field, and you got to live to fight another mm-hmm. down. So I hope he starts getting that in his head. It's been a real battle of the fans trying to not bench everybody. Like, with the quarterback, oh, they're, just bench him. Like, just next guy up. But you in reality, just, like, there's no, no you next can't. Guy. That doesn't happen in any other level of football besides yeah. college football. Like, that doesn't happen in the NFL. That doesn't – I mean, unless you're, you know, a, a team that sucks and you have Josh Dobbs, for example, as the Cardinals. Like, that's – 
They, they haven't pulled him yet, but that's an example, right? Like you have a quarterback who you know, like he's not the quarterback. It's not Mac Jones for the Patriots. Great example, which by the way, hey, hey, Bill, let's go ahead and give Malik on that active squad. Bill Bailey Zappi's not it. We all know it. Give Malik a chance. Tank in the process because Malik's not an NFL quarterback yet. Like he can probably run and do crazy things and you might win a game or two, but you can tank in the process. So back to the the, the game notes, let's talk defense because this is where – not only was this a defensive game, like a slobber knocker, you know, this would get Jim Ross really well, get hot there. and heavy. Let me get there because there's another okay. part, there's another part okay. of the offense that, like, we, I mean, we have it on the show sheet is the lack of the lack of the run game, in that, and it was a lot of times it was caused by us running these pulling the pulling scheme, we're pulling guards, pulling tackles, and people like that. And NC State played it perfectly to where they would follow that guy. They would just crash it down immediately. So as soon as they saw that guard's hips open up to go to the other side, that defensive tackle is sticking his nose right on that guard's hip and following him straight to the ball because that guy's going to take you to the football every time, 10 times out of 10. That you know helped NC State stop us on the run, and we just also didn't have any point of attack at all. Basically, it for the lack of the run game, Jacob. I think that they just need to establish more of a point of attack. NC State was definitely establishing more of a point of attack. I wanted more downhill running. I'm not a big fan of the east and west style of stuff that we were doing. Uh, maybe inside zone, more power stuff, something that could get Jaws and Mo and Isaac just more straight downhill. Uh, I think that's what would have suited us better for that. Now, on to the defense because that's where the whole thing was won this past weekend. Uh, what what do you guys think about the defense to start? I just got to tell you guys, I love TJ Quinn and Jalen Alderman. I just love them. They're they are so fun to watch, man. They yeah. play with just such downhill aggression. TJ Quinn, like he does not care if you're six foot nine, two hundred ninety five thousand pounds. He's gonna wrap your legs up and tackle you at, in a form tackle. Like he is as solid of a of a tackling linebacker as I can remember us having in the last 10 years. He do, like he just doesn't miss tackles. So that's how I feel. No. I, I love that, that whole defense is really good at tackling. I mean, it, sure, the defense isn't what this team is known for, but I've, I think, and yeah, the defense has had some quarters and moments where they've looked really not great. But overall, the, the defense so far is a lot better than what I thought they're going to be. And to your point, Jacob, I mean, I remember heading into the season thinking, yeah, the linebacking room is going to be unquestionably the sore spot of this defense. And I mean, I'm not going to go as far to say it's a strength, but TJ Quinn's looked really damn good and is flying all over the place. Jalen Allerman is laying the hits to any chance he get. I mean, that hit on Bradley Rosner. Whew, Beautiful. That was rough. Beautiful. <laughs> I was going to run to North Carolina if they called targeting on that. <laughs> I was so terrified that that's right. what was coming. No, and the, I, yeah. and the one they did call was complete assault. I mean, no, that was yeah. one of the worst hits I've oh, ever yeah. seen in my entire life. Yeah. They, I mean, gee, throw the kid in jail. But uh, we saw a lot of Nats and uh, ETs. So, like, a Nat is nose and tackle. So, that's where you saw who got the sack on that. I want to say Ashton did on his where you'd see two defensive linemen go down and crash. And he takes a big loop all the way around, and he goes actually around like two – I think he goes two gaps over to the right to go get the sack, which is uh, something different that we haven't really been doing a lot of. At least I don't think. That's the first time I've been paying attention to it. Uh, guys are mugging up in the gaps a lot. Um, for me, it was really nothing that diff that different that we were doing on defense. It's just shit was finally getting home. I think that also plays a hand into how poorly Brendan Armstrong was playing. Like Brennan Armstrong being not that good, not navigating the pocket well. If you set that tone early, 
like in like if you get that stuff going in the first quarter, the psyche and of, of the quarterback, his mind, he is thinking that's com- that's coming the whole game. That's coming the whole game, and it helps out too whenever we have good coverage on the back end. DBs played their asses off uh, this past week as well. I thought I thought the entirety of the defense played their asses off. Yeah, and, Jacob, and uh, both of Armstrong's picks that came off of pressure. I mean, his first one came off a six man blitz, and that second one it was it was a four delayed five man rush. Yeah. But Des Tell just whipped that guard, and Armstrong just kind of chucked it because he had nothing else to do because Des Tell was right there and just threw a lob straight to Quincy Riley. So as good as the coverage looked, I mean, it was partially assisted by the fact that the D-line was actually getting home with some consistency. Yeah, it, it all played like played together exactly how football is supposed to be played, didn't it? Complimentary I mean, all football. Complimentary football. It's crazy <laughs> how that shit works out. But, uh, Jacob, I'm sure what gave you the most pride of the entire day is Ramon per year sack. Just seeing Eastern High School, your Eastern Eagles stand up, uh, his sack, it was very sneaky. It was such it was a it was an ET stunt, so the end crashed down. But the way that Ramon played it, usually you fire off into your guy and you establish the point of attack right there. And you know, he comes down and crashes and you loop off of him. But he, you know, one hand extended, kind of just delayed right there. And just I mean, and even when he looped around, it was it was more you could tell he was trying to keep contain. And it was like a oh shit, I have a clear lane to the quarterback. So you have a you have a couple <laughs> plays whenever you're playing football, fellas, where you know, and it doesn't happen, it happens a couple times throughout the season where you're like, you're like, oh shit, there is a straight lane to the quarterback. That might not be my job to like go get him, but if I go get him right here, like that's a sack. I mean, the coach isn't gonna be mad about a sack. So I guarantee you that's what it watch his feet during that play. It's so funny. It was like an oh shit, I better go moment. And you know, turned into a sack. But for me, it's uh, it's like somebody whispered to him before the game that Trinity High School was a real football program compared to Eastern, and he got real angry about that. He didn't like that. Sure, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, he didn't like that, man. At the end of the day, fellas, a win's a win. You know, five zero is five zero. It is. It was so so ugly. I mean, there were opportunities, like so many opportunities. I'm not blaming Jack for the lack of productivity out there because there's so much so many so many different angles you can look at we don't know the play call we don't know if you know brian hudson called the protection to slide left whenever it should have slid right and jack was thinking it was going to slide right and it didn't we just see a sack right and we just see the ball out but there were a lot of instances out there that were correctable by jack to where if he would have just recognized it early on there would have been a quick fix with it yeah and it seemed like and I think he may have touched on this after the game, or maybe I'm just I'm I maybe I listened to a different press conference. Like it was a different game altogether, and I'm just assuming it was Louisville. You listen uh, to John Plummer, yeah, John, I'm Jake Plummer. <laughs> talk about mushrooms. That's what I listen to. No, but it just uh, there was just something about you know him at the line. I mean, he checked the play. I have not seen a Louisville quarterback check a play maybe since Brian Brown, like straight up. I mean, no quarterback has had the freedom at the line of scrimmage to check a play down, to call, you know, you might call an audible on a protection. You might call an audible on a, on a, you know, some, but it, I mean, it seemed like he killed plays several times well, and they would know, run to your, to your point, Jacob, I'm sorry to cut you off to your point. We did check plays with Satterfield while I was signaling, but it would always be either a hard count or it would be like a hey Vince grab Malik get Malik so we can check out of this play. It always came from the coach. Like yeah. I really t- 
to your point, I think those were Jack. Yeah, and he and there's a couple of plays where I think he said post game. What I was getting to is I think he said that NC State countered their check. Like he would check, and then NC State would check again. That's maybe I did. maybe I listened to the did. wrong podcast. I had a wrong interview. I have no idea, but somebody talked about that. I thought it was Jack Plummer. Maybe not, but overall, at the end of the day, I think the thing I'm struggling with is that this team at times looks like a team that could go ten and two. Like they have a lot of team, a lot of areas where they're not weak. In this game, they struggled to run the football. And they would have been fine otherwise, but they constantly committed penalties. They threw bad passes. They dropped passes. Let's not give the receivers, you know, a, a, the night off. They, I mean, several of them dropped passes, you know, and I don't mean to call anybody out, but from the offensive line, Renato Brown, you know, two penalties in the fourth quarter for two completely things, two different things from a holding penalty uh, to, you know, I think a, a personal foul penalty. So there's little things that they can clean up to make them better. And when you head into this weekend, it's a game where you have to click three phases, four quarters, every, like every Jeff Brown cliche, like they all have to be very much prevalent this weekend. And that's what makes this all so interesting is Louisville's good enough to beat Notre Dame. We're going to get into the numbers. Their numbers aren't that much. They're not different. Like Louisville has not played the competition that Notre Dame has played, but Louisville's numbers are very similar. Similar, They're a similar team overall, and we're going to talk about that here in a second, the quarterback situation, all of it. Sack King update. Sack King update. What do we got? Not a lot. We got some consistency. We got a new entry, and that's really it. I'm, I'm excited because the new entry has some personal relevancy to me, but overall, the Louisville team from a pass rush standpoint, we're still getting there. We're still QB hits, QB hurries, TFLs. Like we're still counting those. Uh, and so over the weekend, not a lot of movement. We get a plus one from Ashton, who really is taking a sizable lead on this thing at uh, five sacks on the season. Uh, and then we get an entry from Ramon Purier. So I, I love that Eastern High School well represented in the the sacking update, but uh, a slow go so far. So it's looking like Ashton Gelati is, is really going to have to have uh, somebody put on a heroic effort down the back half of the, sh- the season to catch him. But, hey, we're pacing here for a good season. We might not be catching uh, see here from last year, but we're pacing ahead. Five sacks for Ashton. Team's got eight. We're getting there. Hopefully we will continue to move forward, and the sack update will be better off next week. We'll see. We'll get there in predictions. Uh, but for now, not much movement. Ashton Gelati is your man. We'll jump into a commercial break, and on the other side, like I said, we'll talk about what this game looks like and what Louisville can do to pull off the upset. And if you are smart, you will go and you will get prepared now that it is legal in this state to bet that this weekend. Uh, Louisville sports betting is officially live in Kentucky. Sports betting sites are offering new bettors tons of awesome bonuses to get started. And we here at State of Louisville and from the Pink Seeds podcast have made it super easy and put all of our favorite promos that we've used this weekend in a list for you. Check out all our best sportsbook promos at bit.ly slash state of Louisville so you can maximize your first bets. Each time you sign up for one of the promotions, you are directly supporting our podcast, which I I thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. And we want to keep doing that so that we can continue to bring you great content. So if you're looking to sign up for any of the new Kentucky sports books, head over to bit.ly slash state of Louisville for our top offers. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash state of Louisville. Offers are only available for new customers who are, customers who are 18 plus, 21 plus for selected sports books. Physically must be present in Kentucky. Please gamble responsibly. If you and a loved one has gambling problems, call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> we'll be right back on the other side to talk about Notre Dame.
And we're back here from the other side of a commercial break. Jacob, just phenomenal ad read for us again. Matt, for me, <laughs> the biggest storyline coming into this game has got to be Sam Hartman. And oh, absolutely. It has to be, man. Uh, we talked a little bit with Reggie on his mindset of a quarterback potentially coming in to, you know, back into the stadium after having a game like that. Uh, for you, what are your thoughts on Sam Hartman coming into this game, uh, knowing, you know, the turnover situation last time he was here? See, it. I've even before the season started, I was curious to see how Sam Hartman would look in an offense that's not well, he super looks like Jesus. <laughs> I, I can't lie. He 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 looks phenomenal. <laughs> I'm secured my sexuality, but I, I've I've watched a couple of Notre Dame Notre Dame games this year, and every time they show him without his helmet, I'm like, damn, he looks good. <laughs> but he's anyway, meant to play quarterback at Notre Dame, right? But uh, anyways, um, I was curious as to how Sam Hartman would look in a not hokey offense where he has that weird mesh read that Dave Clawson likes to look. And, uh, yeah, we have our answer. He looks pretty damn good. I don't have the stats right in, in front of me, but, I mean, uh, if anyone's watched another Dame game this year, they can tell you that, yeah, Sam Hartman, he can sling it. He's He's got poise. He's got command. He can display the arm strength. The, yeah, the he's, thrown for, he's already thrown for 1,200 yards on the year, 70% completion rate, 14 to, 14 to nothing. No picks. A touchdown to interception rate. So we'll see how see how that goes on Saturday, buddy. Yeah, we <laughs> we shall see. But yeah, no. If you're like like Reggie said, like yeah, you remember like the last time you went to a venue and you know you had a bad game there. I don't, I'm not. I don't know if Sam Hartman's going to be the kind of guy who like overly presses to try and correct that. I think he's just going to go out there and just play his game. But it's going to be imperative for the Louisville front seven and the defensive line or whomever it is in that defense to just get after him, get after where the ball's going, flock to the ball, swarm to the ball, whatever football cliche you want to use. Get that early momentum going and don't get behind the sticks early because Notre Dame, yeah, they have a loss to the name already, but Notre Dame is absolutely the kind of team they can blow Louisville out if they're not careful. Oh, no doubt. I mean, that's. That's the caveat with this. I mean, we could either come in here and, you know, do a really big upset or we could come in here and, you know, get the brakes beat off of us. Uh, watching that game Saturday, not Louisville game, but uh, the Duke-Notre Dame game, uh, just watching the performance of both those quarterbacks. I mean, it's fun. It's fun to watch. But for me, I was thinking both of these teams are beatable, even with their quarterbacks there. You know, they're not world beaters. They're not – Andre the Giant over here standing six foot whatever, 300 something pounds. It's 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 just a football team. And, you know, a lot like our quarterback, if you pressure him, he's not comfortable. Neither one of them were. Duke's quarterback and Sam Hartman. Uh, yeah, I mean that that game to me kind of said more about the defenses of those two teams than anything. Cause I mean, I've seen a couple Duke games before, and I know Vince, you don't want to admit it. I don't watch Duke. Duke Duke's good. Duke's really good. <laughs> and they were held scoreless in the first half. Riley Leonard, really damn good. And they've, they've got uh, some solid pieces on offense and they could not do a damn thing. I mean, Notre Dame, their offense with Sam Hartman, Audrick Estime, that offensive line, they get, of course, they get all the headlines because, you know, offense always does. But I mean, that Notre Dame defense is scary, especially in that secondary. I mean, 
Riley Leonard and several other quarterbacks that they faced this year. I mean, Kyle McCord, they he's Ohio State has the best wide receiver core in all of college football, and they put up what 17 points? That's yeah. it, something like that. So that like, that's what makes me nervous. Is I mean, I think I'm gonna have to put a lot on Jeff this game to really schematically get guys open. I mean, it's it's gonna be huge for him just to He's going to really, as Jacob would like to say, going to have to be in his coaching bag for this one to to dial some guys up because mm-hmm. we, we've seen it in these past couple of games that Jack doesn't have the consistent ability yet to throw guys open. He did it a couple of times in the NC State game, had one pass that was beautiful as soon as before uh, the guy's head even broke out, the ball was out of his hands. Well, first of all, Sam Hartman has completely developed into Flynn Rider from Tangled. I don't know if you all are familiar. I, I have a, a five-year-old daughter, so that's all I can think of every time I see him is that he looks like Flynn Rider. Uh, but look, man, when you're a seventh-year quarterback, eight-year quarterback, uh, and you play for Notre Dame, like I expect a certain level of excellence, and he has certainly lived up to it. It's a new look for him. Like seeing him under center was really interesting this past weekend against Duke, and it has been all season. Um, but you still see them run some of that, you know, that RPO getting hit. He's not running as much, but you still see it from time to time where they're utilizing that strength of his. But at, at the same time, he's he just he's not going to turn the ball over. You're not going to make him do that unless you have Yaya Diaby and Yasir Abdullah coming at him, which we'll see. Unfortunately, that's not going to be the case this weekend. Um, it's certainly going to, you know, continue to be, uh, you know, a, a, a situation where you got to get after the quarterback by committee. But I feel like Sam Hartman is not in for what he was last year. And that scares me, you know, in terms of getting pressure and making him uncomfortable. Um, you know, I was I, looking I just, at it like both sides are improved. Like Sam is much. I, I mean, this defense, what they did last, what. Our defense is pretty stout, in my opinion. I I, I just is it better than last year's defense? It's I'd... it's just not as havoc producing. Yeah, no, okay. but it's uh, it seems more uh, maybe a bit more consistent. Yes. top to bottom, like it not feels just... like the defense is better. But I I'm afraid to say that because I don't know if numbers are going to match up very well to that statement. The so... the numbers suggest that they're better, but I don't think this defense pass like from the eye test. It doesn't sometimes look like it's better because there's not as many sacks. There's not as many picks. There's not as many fumbles. There's not many tackles for loss. I mean, the last game had eight tackles for loss. So the the defense certainly passed the eye test last, last weekend, but compared to last uh, year's defense, which was doing that with regularity in the second half. I mean, to be fair, it's hard to live up to a defense that literally led off college football attacks. So (laughs) Yeah. yeah, it's a tough. It's tough to follow that up, um, and they're not there yet. You know, like they they have Ashton, and when they're healthy, they have multiple guys that can be you know impactful. But none of them yet, by numbers, are getting to the quarterback enough. Where Notre Dame, who has a pretty good offensive line, I mean, in terms of sacks allowed this season, they are allowing one point two sacks a game, twenty fourth in the country you're not going to get a ton of pressure. So you have to land, you know, you have to be able to get home and finish in order to have an impact against them. And that is been a worry so far. I mean, when you look at this game from top to bottom, this has to be Louisville's best game of the season. And I know that seems like an easy thing to say, but when you look at each game, Louisville's improved in some areas and they've taken a step back in some areas, they've done better on third down in some, they've taken setbacks and penalties, 
um, all of that. And so you need this game to be your best game played yet. And I am not sure that we're there yet. Like if this game was in four or five weeks, maybe by the time the end of the season came around, we'll be playing their best football, but I'm still not at the point where I think from what I've seen that top to bottom, they're ready to go uh, without playing, you know, obviously without elevating and playing a near perfect game or playing one of the best games they've played. It's going to be a tall feat to go out and beat Notre Dame. And Look, when you look at Notre Dame's schedule this year, they they have a couple of cupcakes. They Their play schedule's some, fucking. I mean, <laughs> it, it is, but like the next couple of weeks for them are just bonkers, like just ridiculous. But they open up with some cupcakes in Navy and Tennessee State. Don't really learn anything. They give up six points in two weeks. Like that doesn't really tell us much of anything. NC State forty five twenty four. That game is you know NC State is not great as we've you know kind of seen so far. Um, and they struggled with Notre Dame and then Ohio state and Duke, both of those games are one possession games that go down to the wire. Um, and Notre Dame could be seriously looking at what one, two, three, four, five, six, and oh, at this point. And instead they're five and one by that three point difference against uh, Ohio state. And so you get to where we are and it just, I don't, I don't know. Like I struggle with this because I think Louisville has a good defense. I think Louisville has a very dynamic offense. They can protect the quarterback when they want. And when they have this season, Jack has put up numbers, but we've also seen them give up sacks last weekend. We've seen Jack make mistakes, throw the ball in the dirt, throw the ball way over receiver's head and be intercepted. And this is a top 10 team. Like this is a team that will make you pay for that and put points on you fast. And so for Louisville, there's no margin of error in this game. If you want to win this game, you want to be taken seriously as a all ACC type of team, a team that can make noise, maybe crash the party of the college football playoff, maybe go to Charlotte, play for the ACC championship, maybe play in a New Year's Six Bowl. You got to compete in this game. Like you have to. Um, and they have the pieces like Jamari Thrash, better than any wide receiver on, on Notre Dame's team, for sure. Like he's the best player skill position wise in this game joar jordan don't get me wrong audrick esme is dude's a beast like he is fantastic but jaws is dynamic i'm not saying he's better i think audrick esme might be better man they cancel themselves out they're really good like really Well, to be fair yeah audrick esme has the luxury of going running behind probably one of the top three offensive lines in football because i was going through the depth chart on notre dame earlier today there is only there was one guy in the o-line too deep who was under six three and three oh five. One guy. <laughs> yeah. And the numbers show and what they've given up from a sacks allowed standpoint. Like, well, you know, they just they don't give sacks up. They don't give tackles this, for loss up. That's just this, not who they this are. This is where I think Notre Dame is at. You know, they're sitting there with one loss and they are fighting like hell to continue, you know, the talk of Notre Dame should be in the college football playoffs, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that there's no doubt about that. There's zero conference championship they're playing for, nothing like that. And, you know, after the game last week against Duke, I think they're starting to feel the pressure a little bit. You know, I, I guarantee you, you know, they felt all that pressure last week with game day being there and everybody talking about how good Duke is and everything, even though they're not. And I just think Notre Dame is, at the, you know, it's a, it's only a matter of time. It's a matter of who is going to beat them, in my opinion. Who's going to be that team to knock them off? And Louisville has that opportunity this weekend, obviously. Yeah, and it's like it's there's that popular saying of like I don't I forget what they say, but Season like the when moment, it's, it's not, it, no, no, but 
like Louisville's due. Like they're they're due yeah. to yes. beat Notre Dame, yes. right? The last two games have been 2019 wasn't necessarily close, but Louisville's up 14. We should have won that game. There were so many plays in that where we yeah. right. And then obviously yeah. you should have won in 2020. Like that game. Oh yeah. You, you and you take one of those picks that you drop and you pick the ball off, Rajay or Kittrell Clark. I'm talking to you two. Like I can say it now, right? Because Clark's getting hurtled in the NFL, making millions. Like it is what it is. Uh, but like you, you catch one of the, yeah, he got hurled over the weekend, dude. He got hurtled by Christian McCaffrey on a touchdown. It was oh. nasty. Well, it's Christian nasty. McCaffrey. Well, so. Yeah, if I'm gonna get hurtled by somebody, I mean, I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. He got hurtled, but he's still making millions. He gets to go home and lay his head on a very expensive pillow. Sat- so I think he's just fine. <laughs> right? Exactly. Satin sheets, yeah. baby. Um, but point being, they should have won that game. Like that was uh, Ian Book played one of the worst games of his career. It was like. 12 to nine or something like that. Like it was just stupid how close of a game that was. So this is a game where it's been building new coach, new atmosphere, new will to win, new desire to win, new ability to conquer adversity and win. And so for Louisville, uh, it, that's why I'm telling you all, I'm so torn on where to go with this game. Like my heart says it's time. We're ready. We're primed. It's 65,000 people. We're going crazy. Like there's going to be so much, so many people in the beer line that no one can get beer. So we just might as well sit in our seats and cheer that type of environment. Right? Like that's how it's going to go this weekend. We're going to, we're going to be in awe of what Cardinal stadium can be at 65,000 people. But at the end of the day, can Jack Plummer make the throws? Can the defense get the pressure? Can the defense make the tackles? Can the can the cornerbacks be sticky? Like can the can you not commit penalties? Not turn the ball over? Things that you've done so far. If you can, you're primed to win this game and be ready to go. Like let's jump in the top fifteen, top ten at that point. Top fifteen probably more likely. Like let's be realistic. Now it's time to go. It's time to go conquer and like this. A win against Notre Dame changes the dynamics of what you think Louisville can be. In our heart, I think we all think Louisville can win this game. But if we're being realistic, I'm not sure how many of us are going to pick Louisville to win this game. But if you do win this game, there's no denying that you're not a good football team. You are a top 15, top 20 team. Your schedule set up over the next couple of weeks to build off of this and really go crazy as you get into the back half where Miami and Kentucky are. This is a game that if you win, you're ready. But at the same time, fellas, I just – do you have confidence that Louisville is not going to commit dumb penalties, that Jack's not going to make plays when pressure is in his face? Like I just and that they can consistently get sacks and get pressure. I just am not there for those three things. I'm not there say, yet. Are you saying yes or no? I'm saying no. Louisville can't. Do I'm that. saying I don't know. <laughs> like that's how I feel about the team. Like I'm like I could see it happening. Correct. Not happening. I, I mean, yeah, like, I have I'm the confidence 50, that they be right in the middle. I haven't I have even written a score down. Yeah, I have the confidence that they can make the plays because they have shown it at times. They've just been too inconsistent across the board, though. That's the that's the main problem. They haven't played a full 60 minutes against anyone yet. Are and, it, and so it how would, would they do it a, this weekend? That's the thing. Like, yeah, it'd the, be a hell of a revelation if the first full 60 minute game they play is against freaking Notre Dame. <laughs> It's what I mean. Everybody thought it would have been crazy, and I'm not saying it's not possible. Whenever we did it against Florida State, right? Yeah, yeah, you no, know? and that's here win sixty-two like, to ten. I'm here for it. Can like, just click for whatever reason. Yeah. Sometimes on any given, you know, they say on any given Sunday, well, on any given Saturday, shit can click. And you know, this hey, you're right. You're right. Hey, where shit can click. Absolutely right. And it's not like we're sitting here with a team that's like freaking zero and five. <laughs> we're five and zero, so you know. You can kind of feel that. I think that there's 
it's, it just feels too good, man. There's too many Catholics in town that cheer for you, though. Praying for this. Too many Catholics. Our Catholics outweigh can, your Catholics. Yeah, can our Catholics overact their Catholics? Like they have, and you know, I don't care about very, your national brand. We have a very <laughs> strong Catholic. This is so sacrilegious. <laughs> can we out Can we out Catholic them? I feel pretty confident oh, we can. We I can guarantee drink beer. you, we can throw a better fish fry than Notre Dame. Yeah, man, their fish fry is going to be lame. Like we're going to party and keep. Like that's just how it's going to go, no doubt. Our Catholic beats their Catholic 10 out of 10 times. Um, <laughs> is this Catholic versus Catholics? What is it? Cards, <laughs> cards yeah. versus Catholics. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so interesting though, right? So on the note of Jack Plummer and the pressure, obviously this past weekend, what NC State did was load the box up to stop the run, but then load the box up and blitz out of it. They blitz four, uh, five plus guys multiple times. Um, and those blitz, those stunts are what caused some of those pressures and some of those struggles for Jack. They asked Marcus Freeman about that and his media availability today. And I thought his answer was very interesting and very revealing as to what they think. You guys know that my philosophy with coaches is to read between the lines. They're not telling you what they say in the words, but if you read between the lines, they are telling you what they mean. Marcus Freeman today said, it's hard to confuse him talking about Jack Pl- Jack, Jack Plummer, but we're going to try. We're going to try to give him some different looks, but it's hard to confuse him because he's seen everything. I read between the lines in that, and he's saying he's a fifth-year quarterback. He He's seen it. Like, coverage-wise, draw it on a board. We're good. Blitz him in the game, and it's a different story. We're going to try that. We're going to try to confuse him. We're going to try to pressure him because we don't think, as a football team that's a top-10 team, that he's good enough to beat us. Like, that's what he, that's what Marcus Freeman is saying in between the lines there. And I think that that's going to be the really interesting thing to watch because Notre Dame, let's just call a spade a spade. Like Notre Dame's defense is good, but they're 92nd in the country in sacks per game. You know what I mean? So like, are they really going to pressure Louisville? Like they're big three, nine, you know, three forty, three fifty pound defensive linemen. These are sec size guys, but are they really going to blitz? Are they really going to be able to get after it? We're not a – this isn't a scrub offensive lineman. Brian Hudson said he was recruited by Notre Dame both times. That's a – like that shows – we have the boys to go up front and compete with them. But are we aligned? Are we moving in lockstep? Are we committed to the grind, committed to the discipline of not committing penalties? That's right. I don't – I don't – I don't know. I don't know. Like <laughs> until I see it and I'm wrong, I don't know. I just – I've been wrong too many times thinking Louisville's going to go beat the old misses of the world and the Alabamas of the world. Like until they do it, I just, (laughs) no, no one, no one, not not, especially definitely not the leader of the team didn't say that, but I I believe this team is going to go into it thinking they're going to win prepared to do so. But does that play out in the 60 minutes where, in between the lines, that's what's counted, and that's what comes out on the other side on paper. Man, better, they better come out ready to just punch a motherfucker in the mouth. That's Look, man, it's up to Reggie pressing that train horn mm-hmm. to get us hyped, man. Like, oh, like yeah. we got Reggie's got a real, a real big task on his hands. Sixty-five thousand people. What do you do to get them hyped? Like I told him, take your shirt off, dude. Like that's I'm bringing beers out there for sure, and that'll be the last time I do the train horn. <laughs> yeah. I if I got the opportunity to do that, I would be like Michael Scott in the episode where he goes to the corporate meetings and he can't really understand what he needs to do when he's introduced. Is it the finger guns? Is it the spin? Like what is it that gets the crowd going? That's how I would be if I was Reggie. Like I would be ready to figure that out, do some deep science research because. You get 65,000 people going. 
Notre Dame commits a lot of penalties for being Notre Dame. Like I know we we think of them as being perfect in every way possible, and maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I just made that up again. Because they're Catholic football team. Because like, they're Catholics. Yeah, they don't sin. And, <laughs> and penalty in football, sinning is a penalty. Uh, penalties a sin. They're ninety eighth in the country in penalties. They commit almost as many penalties. I'm sorry, they commit more penalties than Louisville does on a per game basis. So this isn't the the the, the team of Notre Dame that's going to be you know disciplined in that regard but they don't turn the football over so they have it that way sam hartman 14 touchdowns zero interceptions like that is extremely impressive um and they made on the hot seat if he loses this you mean he's just a hot guy sitting in a seat like yeah (laughs) like yeah, looking guy sitting down no doubt that's marcus freeman no he's not on the hot seat there will be questions because though like if you look at the schedule i talked about this for notre dame like it's crazy how you would want to continue to be an independent like do you want to continue to play number nine usc 25 louisville in a couple weeks they have clemson or do you want to play louisville schedule and play boston college some of these teams in the acc you want on your schedule versus a number nine usc and if they lose to Louisville, they're done. Like their season in terms of playoff shot. They lose to us. They're yeah, done. yeah. Play number six, Ohio State. Number 17, Duke. Does Louisville get overlooked here? You know what I mean? Like they got number yeah. nine, USC next weekend. You know? Yeah, I mean, especially Louisville... since, yeah, they got USC and they're facing the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, they, they're they seeing how poo-poo that USC defense is. So no probably... shot. No shot. Sam Hartman sitting over there thinking this is a cupcake game overlooking this shit. He, if he's any type of competitor, he's had this one circled since Sunday of last year for, you know, whatever team he was going to be. Or whenever with. he entered the portal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at the time he was at Wake and we probably still would have played Wake. I don't know how the conference was lining up after that, but whatever. It's fair. Yeah. All Get right. Him. Well, let's let's jump in to the segment that was just such a hit last week. I got so many people texting me, calling <laughs> me. Matt's the best. We need more. And we Not got a lot. Really? People were hitting me up like I didn't know Matt was that tall. I didn't know. Like <laughs> Matt's favorite color in third grade was blue. That's a crazy like, bad stat. This week, or I we should say, back, we should lead with that. We we bring back Matt's stats, and we have a liner for it this week. So here in a second, when I stop talking, we will have a liner that leads into the segment. That's how you know it's official. So Matt, take us through this week's Matt stats. Drop what you're doing and listen up. It's Matt stats with Matt McGavick. All right, I know, Jacob, you, you kind of made it a point to say, uh, yeah, Notre Dame's defense, they're, they're, they're good statistically, but they don't get a lot of pressure, don't general, generate a lot of sacks, tackles for loss. But, I mean, with how well their secondary is playing, they kind of don't have to. Because their, their secondary is number nine in the nation in passes defended, which is interceptions and, and pass breakups. They've got six picks and 23 pass breakups in six games. So that's they're, they're they're pretty their defensive backs are pretty active when it comes to getting their hands on on balls heading to receivers, and going from the Notre Dame secondary to their offense, uh, I think a huge point of emphasis in this game will be through Audric Estime, their running back, because he, like you said earlier, Jacob, he's a big boy and he's really good. I mean, yeah, they, they've had Notre Dame's had one more game than most of everyone in the nation, but he's currently the leader in rushing yards. And a big part of that is because he's number two in all of college football in missed tackles force with 36. But an interesting counter to this matchup with Audrey Estime 
is that Louisville is one of the better tackling teams in college football right now. Uh, according to PF, uh, to Pro Football Focus, they've got an 80 tackle grade, which is, we as I said last week, 60 is an average, 70 is above average. So 80 is pretty good. In fact, they're tied for 19th for the best tackle grade and 13th in, in the Power Five in terms of tackle grade. And shifting to Louisville's side of things, I know we, we made a lot of hay about how Jack Plummer has to perform. Honestly, I think the onus is probably a little on the offensive line, not just in terms of hold, uh, holding their ground and keeping Jack Plummer upright, but being able to bulldoze open more holes for the running backs because Jack Plummer, off of play action, phenomenal. In fact, breaking it down, he is 36 for 51, which is a 70.6% completion rate for 692 yards. Nine of his 11 touchdowns have come off of play action. Of course, he's also thrown two interceptions in that in that span, but most of his his scoring has come off of the play action. So the so in turn, Jaws has to get more involved and has to have more success, which in turn means the offensive line has to get more push at the point of attack. And then kind of building off of that with a plumber stat, we've kind of noticed like just the eyes say that when plumber gets pressure, he's not been the greatest. And the the stats, they they back that up. Uh Jack Plummer against pressure, courtesy of Pro Football Focus. He's 11 for 33, which is 32.5% for 193, a touchdown, and three of his six picks have come against pressure. So in turn. The offensive line has to do a better job of standing their ground and keeping a clean pocket. A lot of this game will start in the trenches, whether that's Louisville attacking through the air, Louisville attacking through the ground. And then what my last stat of the night, going back over to the Notre Dame side of the field with uh, Sam Hartman, something that I actually didn't expect diving, diving through the stats because it, it didn't really catch my eye a lot when I've watched the Notre Dame games myself is that, Sam Harton is actually tied for the third most touchdowns in the nation on throws of 20 yards or, or longer with eight. The only power five quarterbacks who have more uh, long touchdowns on passes of 20 yards or more are LSU's Jaden Daniels with 11 and Caleb Williams with 10. So in this matchup, not only is the secondary is going to have to be on their P's and Q's, but more specifically the safeties. And I know Cam- Cameron Kelly, he just won ACC defensive back of the league. But Devin Neal is going to have to get involved, and I hate to say it, Devin Neal might need to step in for Josh Minkins on this one because Minkins, he's he's been really up and down. And it seems like this the safety area and the safety position has performed better when he's not on the field. And I hate to say that because he's a hometown guy and he's been this, with this program for a while. But Cameron Kelly and Devin Neal just look better right now, plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, best 11 always got to be out there on the field. That gives you the best opportunity to win. I mean, I, I'm I'm anxious to see that matchup at the safety position. Cameron Kelly is quickly becoming one of my favorite players on the team. I can't wait to have him on the show so I can be like, do we call you Cam or do we call you Ron? 
So. <laughs> or they called him Cameron the whole the whole broadcast. Well, I know he doesn't go by Cameron in the stadium. It's got to be Cameron, one of the two. I don't know, man. I'm a big fan of Cameron. We need to get some music playing like in the background. That's some dip set from back in like the early 2000s. Every time he gets an interception, like right. just think of it. He gets the interception and they play the the hit dip set Cameron song with like the sample in the background. That's like yeah, right. Like every time he gets a pick, like I would right. like the it would be the old Super Mario game. song. Just get a one game. <laughs> I'm here for it. If they're listening, the marketing department needs a let from the Pink Seats podcast. Control the music. Just let me get that aux cord for one game. Just one, for that game. one game. If one game. Back broke. Don't blame me. Yeah, right. right. Reggie breaks the button. It's definitely not my fault. All right. Well, let's 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 transition into predictions coming off of those stats because I think that they help kind of lead into this. And uh, if you're a, a eternal optimist and you want no negativity at this point is where I would probably encourage you to turn things off. If you don't want to be in, and we're not negative, we're just keeping it realistic here. Like the, it just, we can't predict a, we're not going 12 and 0, at least maybe not. But in this segment, like when we're predicting it, it is not a, uh, a hater aid type of thing. It's not, it's just being real. So let's just keep it real. Let's just be realistic. I've got, Notre Dame 27, Louisville 17. I I just think that Louisville is in a spot where they are good enough to beat Notre Dame, but can they play for four quarters, three phases all the time? No, I'm not there yet. I think that they're going to give up pressure. Um, I, I certainly don't think they're going to get a ton of pressure in this game. Uh, I worry about Audric Estime just wearing down a little bit of an undersized defense. I mean, Louisville's not necessarily like glaring undersized like it was several years ago. But when you look at a guy like TJ Quinn that played safety, uh, Destel being a guy at nose tackle that's 5'11", you know, 300 pounds, like some of these guys aren't Notre Dame-sized defensive linemen, offensive linemen. I think that they're going to wear Louisville down over time. I still think Louisville's going to keep this game competitive. Uh, up until maybe the end of the third, early fourth, but uh, and it's only going to be a ten point victory. But I just think Notre Dame wears a little down. Uh, and and our second prediction to this is what? How many sacks? I think that's an important statistic for me in this game. How many sacks? And I have Louisville going with two sacks. So Louisville seventeen, Notre Dame twenty seven, two sacks on the night for the defensive line linebackers. What do you got, guys? I've I've also got Notre Dame pulling this one out. It, this one's a little bit closer. I've actually got Louisville uh, covering in this one. I've got the Irish coming out with a 28-24 win. Um, I, th- I think Louisville only gets one sack in this one because, like I said earlier, Notre Dame's offensive line is huge. And the, the defensive line, while they're, they're getting pressure, they haven't been getting home with consistency with the exception of the NC State game. And Notre Dame's a lot better than NC State is. And it, it like you said, Jacob, it all boils down to the fact that We've yet to see this team play 60 minutes of consistent football or even just three-phase football. I mean, even against Boston College, played great on offense on special teams. Defense, kind of hit or miss. Against NC State, defense and special teams, fantastic. Offense, not great. Uh, And then you can can chalk it up to all the other games too. And is Notre Dame going to be the game where Louisville – clicks and all of a sudden plays consistent all 60 minutes plays great in all three phases like vince said it could very well could stranger things have happened i don't foresee that happening against in this game well 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 look where we find ourselves here again fellas (laughs) you two picking the opposing team and me standing over here like john snow in the battle of the bastards (laughs) <laughs> Boys, I'm going with the cars 31-21. I okay. 
feel like we are going to come out and this is going to be the one. This is this has to be the one. Uh, it's a statement game. It's a statement victory. I'm excited for it. I don't know what tells me that we're winning. Like I said a couple minutes ago, I haven't written the score down. Because my opinion on this team is that I will find a whole hell of a lot out about them this Saturday. And this is like the one where I'm like, all right, well, we're about to see how good y'all really are. Whether we're going to be a eight win or whether we could really do something special this year. And, uh, you know, I ain't counting the Brahms out. I've never counted the Brahms out my entire life, and I'm not going to start doing it now. So, so I'm going 31-21 with... Uh, sacks. Hmm. Uh, we're going to go with two. I think there's going to be two sacks. All right. And, and, I, and like you said, Vince, I mean, just, just wrapping up on this point, like an underrated storyline is that Rom steps up for the big game and yeah. he doesn't really had had like a big game to step up for yet because the schedule was so easy to start the year. So if, if, and like, if to step up for the big game, this is going to be the opportunity to do so. And this is a game, like, I guarantee you. I mean, I'm if they do anything, which I'm sure they do things better than how we did things with setting them inside the facility, but, like, they're, they're scouting in June, July for this game. First five weeks of the season are scouted because you don't have any film. You're using film from last year a lot of the times, you know? So, like, you're already, you already got most of that shit done. So, right now, we're just putting polish, you know, fondant on the outside of the damn cake with uh the past however many games of this season you know and i i don't i don't want to under i think it's a big deal that sam hartman's coming back in here with a lot of with those interceptions and turnovers man like it just just reminds me of like i don't, I don't know like happy gilmore on the green like having to go find his happy place and like you know the dude's there and makes out with his mom like that that's what i think louisville is you know what i mean <laughs> to him like uh... yeah and let's keep in mind one of the things about jeff brom at purdue was the ability to pull off big wins and that was number two ohio state number two iowa number five michigan state getting to the big 10 championship last season this is a, a coach who's not a, a stranger to winning games against teams that are ranked higher than him uh, that are favored against him that people count his team out uh, time and time again. That continues to happen in the narrative of Jeff Brom as a head coach. Is this the weekend for Louisville uh, where he gets that first big monumental win under his belt, takes this program from being a team at 5-0 and to being a team that's a legitimate um, contender in the conference? Those are what's at stake this weekend, and we'll find out. And, and I really hope to be wrong with my prediction. I hope that we come back next week and that Vince has – jumped into the standings and, and tied us up um, because he's predicted the score correctly. And Matt and, and Presley and, and I have gotten it wrong. Um, and that's just, that's just the way that it, that hopefully it shakes out. But at this point, until we see it, it, the numbers and just the way that the eye tests have been is Notre Dame is the team that at this point is the better team, but football's not played on paper. And if it was, I'd be playing football because I wouldn't get hurt. And so that's just what we have to keep in mind when we consider the way that things are going to go on Saturday. Exactly right, man. Bingo. You can't get hurt watching football. You can. You can. And I have. But you, you, on paper, you can't. So Inside boo-boos. Inside boo-boos. That's right. That's right. All right. That's going to wrap it up here on the show tonight. We can't thank you all enough for tuning in. It's been a a fantastic two-pack of shows this week. We can't thank Reggie Bonifon 
any more for coming on and getting lessons on how to push the train horn, even though none of us have ever done it. We've just, we've watched. And when you watch something, yeah, I feel like what better way to tell somebody what to do than to give them your opinion. And that's what we did here tonight, fellas. So we've accomplished our goal. We got the fans hyped when Reggie rips his shirt off and is spinning it around like a maniac. You can, you can thank the boys at from the pink seats podcast for that. And hopefully that leads to a W we're coming back here next weekend for a six and O football team. He said, wouldn't that be, that would be incredible. He's setting the tone for the entire game. That's a lot of responsibility right there. It's like the first hit on kickoff. You know, you got to get a good one. Got to get a good look in. That's right, man. That's right. Six and O. Can y'all imagine? I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm hoping. And final at the buzzer prediction here. Uh, Presley Meyer, 34-27 Notre Dame, a little less four sacks. So he's going with the team getting some pressure. I'm here for it. The Sack King update next week will be lit. We get four sacks. I'm here for it. But uh, hopefully that comes with a W. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from, from the Pink Seats podcast, at Pink Seats Pod, at UofL Report, Sports Illustrated, and at The State of Blue. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We will see you next week. Win or loss, we don't care. We'll be here. Hopefully that's with a W. Until then, go Cards. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.